and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. Um, we cover a few topics very frequently, and one of them, because we're a border state, is the United States' southern border and with the disaster that it's become. And I, I've talked about it from so many different angles. It, it's hard to not repeat yourself often, but the storyline stays the same. And what's going on now between New York City and Mayor Adams and Governor Abbott in Texas makes me laugh. Uh, and I mean that genuinely. I mean, there's really not much to laugh at at the border, but the hypocrisy is absolutely hysterical. Your government, our government, has been doing this for a very long time. And that is flying and busing immigrants from when they come across the border and they've been processed through the system and their, uh, their immigration status is pending a trial or a hearing. They are being bussed and flown all over this country. And have been by the federal government for a long time. I mentioned this earlier on the show, and every time I talk about this, I'm going to remind people of this and fact check me on it. Every I say every day. It's not. Six days a week. I think every day except Sunday at the 44th Street station of the SkyTrain at Sky Harbor Airport. Buses show up and they drop off people. That are in this country, well, they're in. Their status is a is a is a temporary status at that point, but they are pending um, immigration. Um, Char- I, not charges, but I guess uh, a trial, a hearing on their immigration status for asylum. And they're being dropped off at the 44th Street Station. They then are taking the SkyTrain into Sky Harbor Airport, and they're flying all over the country. It happens every day. If you're on your way to the airport and you're flying today, you will see people at the airport that are waiting around for hours and hours and hours because they're showing up and buying a ticket when they get to the airport. So who knows how long they've got to wait for their flight. So the federal government's been doing this forever. And the Biden administration especially has been busing, and they do it in the middle of the night. They avoid the photo ops, but they do it in the middle of the night. So Texas and then Arizona decided, well, wait a minute, we'll rent buses and we're going to find people that want to go to New York City or go to Washington, D.C. And if that's where they want to go, we're going to load them on a bus and we're going to pay for the bus and we're going to send them to Washington, D.C. and let D.C. deal with it because we've been dealing with it forever. So Mayor Adams called it horrific. The situation's horrific. They've got a few busloads of people in New York City, and it's already overwhelming their system, and it's horrific. Well, the response from uh, the mayor of New York – or from the governor of Texas is said New York City mayor says this is horrific. Did he say it was horrific when Biden flew plane loads into New York? Nope. Horrific is Biden's policy of letting in two million illegal immigrants. The New York mayor has no idea how horrific it really is. We talked about a record number of things recently, a record number of, of encounters at the southern border. There is also a record number of rescues. The numbers of people that have been um, at our southern border that have to be rescued because of heat and other incidents like that, medical issues. It is a situation that is dire. So you look at the first responders, and I've, ta- I've made this comparison as well. 
In the city of Phoenix, they passed an ordinance that we are going to shut down our hiking trails and parks in some places because it's steep and severe when it gets too hot in the summertime. So when it crosses over 100 degrees, I believe is the threshold, they shut down these parks like between noon and 6 p.m. or something or these trails, uh, Echo Canyon and others, because – a, people are hiking that don't understand what the Arizona heat is like and they're becoming overwhelmed. And what it does is it puts first responders in a dangerous position because those men and women have to hike up the trail and drag you down or they got to fly in or whatever to get you off the mountain. So in order to preserve the safety of first responders and the public in general, the city of Phoenix says we are going to shut down your parks, your trails, your hiking trails. You own them. If you live in, if, you know, if you live here and pay taxes here, they're your parks. But in the interest of public safety and the safety of first responders, we're shutting it down. Here we have a problem at the southern border where first responders are being called in I mean, hundreds of times, thousands of times to save people because they're dying in the desert. And unfortunately, not everybody is saved. You, there are deaths. If you really wanted a real look at what's going on at the border with the trash that's left behind for all you environmentalists out there, go and look with the pristine desert that used to be what it looks like now. Go talk to a rancher about what their property looks like where if they are a place where it is a crossing trail. And I, I again, ranchers, when they ride their land on their ATVs, when they are out there fixing things and mending things and checking fencing and all the other stuff you do when you own a ranch. They carry a rifle and they carry water and they carry a first aid kit because many times they are the first responders because the cartels do not care about the people that they are bringing. You either keep up or you fall behind and we're not turning around for you. We are not going to do any of that. We're not going to call 911 and give up our location because you are in a, you're so ill that you need medical care. You know, and, and for those of you new to Arizona, or maybe you just have never had a heat-related incident, um, I, 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 this story scared me so badly. I had a guy that worked for me. We were working on a parking lot, and um, – He's a guy that worked for me for years, lived in Arizona, I think, if not all of his life, most of his life. He was in good physical condition. He's a veteran guy, and we were working on this parking lot, and he came to me and said, I don't feel good. I'm starting to feel nauseous. And I said, get inside the AC, get some water. So he walked into an air-conditioned part of the place and sat down with a, with some water, and within one minute, within one minute, he was seizing up. His hands were seized, his legs were seized, his jaw was clenched, and he he was having a serious medical incident in the air conditioning with water. Called the fire department. They were able to get him back. Uh, they, I, they didn't have to. I don't remember if he went to the hospital or he didn't. He didn't work the rest of the day. And he ended up having to take it easy. And that's how fast it happens. Are we shutting down the border because of health reasons? Because of the health and welfare of our federal agents that have to be first responders down there? We absolutely are not. We absolutely are not. And it is a situation that is dire. So we can have the political argument, which I value because I'll have this argument politically with you every single day, that it's not more humane. But when you take a real look at the humanity on the border, how can you agree? How can you possibly agree with what you're seeing at the border is more humane than anything that's been in the past? Because that was the goal of this administration. It wasn't about decreasing illegal immigration. It wasn't about any of that. It was about a more humane treatment of the people that were coming here illegally. And if there's anybody out there that can defend and say this is more humane, 
Now, if you want to say it's not less humane, we can have that argument all day, too. But it certainly isn't more humane. It's different at best. And it's a it's an abysmal failure. In a moment, we had talked earlier about crime rates, and uh, it's something I want to go back to, and here's why. Because policing has become such a topic for all of us. And uh, when you talk about triaging crime, I've been reaching out to some of my friends that are in law enforcement and asking them about this. The idea that when there are so many calls for service that you actually have to choose the most serious to go to first, you are in big trouble. You are in major trouble. So we're going to talk about that in just a moment. So stick around. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Just imagining all of the memories that are being created right now in people's heads and hearing Freebird. Um, thanks for being here this morning, at least for a little while. Crime and punishment is a big part of the show. I told a story last week, and people thought the statistic was made up, and I had to send the link to the article to a few people. In New York City, there are 50 people – I'm sorry, there were 10 people that are repeat offenders that have been arrested a total of 500 times since their new arrest and release policy has come into play. Uh, police are, are really upset about this. They are leaving in droves. Here is a headline from Fox News. New York NYPD officers leave in record-breaking exodus before full pen- sets in. They're risking everything. Over 1,000 New York City police officers have filed to leave the department in 2022, raising doubts about the city's ability to maintain a substantive police force and maintain safety and security. So a a former New York police detective, uh, uh, Jason Caputo is his name, um, said, you're losing qualified people. You're losing experience. You're losing so much when it comes to that kind of stuff. So We're talking earlier about triaging crime. Now, we all understand what triaging medical needs are, and that happens, unfortunately, if you go into the emergency room and you just don't feel well, you're going to sit and wait because when an ambulance comes in with a heart attack victim, they're going to go in before you and the doctors are going to pay attention to them. When these things happen, they triage injuries based on the staff they have and the amount of sick people that are coming in. You are gauged not on first come, first serve, who is most Injured In policing, the number one job of policing is patrol, calls for service. When you dial 911, you have an expectation that an officer or officers are going to show up, whether it's deputies or troopers. But when you call 911, you have an expectation that you will have your needs met. And if it is a crime in progress, you know, and you're talking about triaging this now, our police departments around the country, and some are, the story that I'm talking about starts in Portland, Oregon, where they're having to to triage where they're sending officers for crimes in progress. And we don't want to see that come here or anywhere else. I don't want, again, as, as prepared as I am, it's, I, I, I know it's a dichotomy. That's my favorite word on the planet is dichotomy because I think everything is. Everything is a dichotomy. Um, it's a pretty thin slice of ham that doesn't have two sides. And I am a firearms owner. I am a fierce defender of the Second Amendment. I think I have a responsibility to be prepared to defend my home and defend myself and the people I love and the people around me. I think that's a responsibility to all of us. 
but I, I sincerely don't want to have to do it. I am a law and order person. My brother's a cop. His wife is a cop. I have the utmost respect for police, the laws in place, and abiding by the laws. And when you don't, you're going to pay a price. But if you're committing a crime against me and I call 911, and I've, I've used this example before, but let me, um, let me maybe expand on it a little bit. Um, I've told a story on the air a couple of times that years ago, I stopped a shoplifting at a Circle K that I go to every day. I knew the clerk. I knew everybody that worked there. We were in that store three, you know, sometimes three, four times a day, six, seven days a week, and everybody knows everybody. And these two punks just shoplifted a bunch of alcohol, and I told him to put it back, and the fight was on. I didn't start the fight. He started the fight. I just told him to put it back, and I, it was on. They're throwing liquor bottles at me, and the fight was on in the parking lot, me and two guys. And I kept them at bay, and it took the police about four minutes to get there. And in that time, it was a – I mean, four minutes seems like a long time, but they got there pretty quickly. Four minutes is a really fast response time. And um, think about that now being doubled. At what point am I now going to say – I didn't throw a punch, by the way. I kept the guys off me, took them down to the ground, let them up, told them to leave, pushed them away, kept them both away from me because I didn't want to get involved. I don't want to bust some guy's jaw and then get sued because I was stopping the shoplifting. So I just kept telling them to get away, kept them away from me, kept them at a distance, um, and I did. I was able to until the police got there. But at some point in all of this altercation, had it gone on longer, there was going to come a point where I had to defend myself, where I had to throw punches where I had to try to disable somebody or at least, you know, keep them. I'm fighting two guys and I don't know, maybe they'd have disabled me. I don't know. But at some point it was going to get to that. And if you have someone trying to burglarize your home or if you're sitting on the phone watching your car get burglarized and the 911 operator tells you, let the police handle it, but they're eight minutes away, are you going to stand there and watch somebody steal your car or burglarize your car? Are you going to see on your security cameras that there's a guy at your front door that you don't know? How long before you pull your firearm out and you're waiting to see if they breach that door? And do we want a society where, I mean, there's many of us in Arizona with, the, with our gun uh, laws in Arizona. There are so many of us that are prepared, whether we're in our vehicle, we're walking down the street, or we're in our home, we are prepared to defend ourselves. But we don't want to. That's not the society that most of us want. The society we want is that if you break the law, the police are going to show up. They're going to put you in handcuffs. They're going to write up a report. The prosecutor's office are going to prosecute those crimes, and you are going to be significantly punished for the crime you committed. So you know in our society we don't tolerate that behavior. And if you don't learn your lesson the worst time, the first time, it gets worse the next time. And instead of that being the case, what we're seeing is people getting away with crimes over and over and over again, and they're getting the upper hand. And it's been so disheartening to the police, they're leaving. Cops not going to waste their time. Why would a cop risk their safety, risk their life, risk their career and their retirement to put somebody in handcuffs that the, the attorney's office is just going to turn around and let loose on the street with no bail? Why do it? Why risk everything when nothing's going to happen? And that's the, the place that a lot of police officers find themselves in. Um, uh, we're going to reset something we talked about earlier if you missed it. The battle between school boards and parents has gotten ugly in some school districts. But what one person is doing that goes beyond the pale, what a group of people have done to parents is beyond the pale. They need to be exposed. We need to talk about this because parents have every right to hold people accountable, especially when it comes to the education of their children. We'll talk about that next. 
strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. And thanks for being here. Education and behavior is something we talk about quite often. There has been a rift between some parents, not all, some parents and school boards because of the the laws and rules in place. I shouldn't say laws, rules in place about masks and distancing and closed schools for a long time. And what data is now showing us as we look further and further down the road, just to be clear, is that first of all, people under the age of 20, children especially, are a lot less likely than anybody else on the planet by far from having a serious reaction having COVID-19. Schools were closed, and when parents fought back, the National School Board Association, in a letter to the White House, called those parents domestic terrorists. They say the White House was in on the verbiage, which I happen to believe, but that was what they called these parents. City of Scottsdale. So I shouldn't say that. Scottsdale Unified School District went after parents by doxing parents. So in the West Valley, in the Peoria School District, there was a group of moms who put together an organization called West Valley Parents United. And these women have also decided that they're going to run for the school board. But as uh, as West Valley Parents United, they dropped off, I think district-wide, they dropped off donuts on the first day of school, Dunkin' Donuts, to say thank you to teachers for the return to work, which further tells me, like I've been saying, I hate the politics of education. I don't hate educators. The people that are upset don't dislike teachers. They dislike the politics of education, period. And so there are parents that are now saying, first of all, you do have to listen to us. These are our children and we are the taxpayers. So we aren't going away. We are not going away. There hasn't been any violence. There hasn't been any threats of violence by a parent that I know of anywhere in the country. Maybe if there was an isolated incident, but certainly isn't widespread. They're not dangerous people. How they're treated in return is where the questions um, are coming up. And I will tell you that the reason why this story is important is because it shows you how bad it can get. It doesn't show you how bad it is with every school district. I want to be very clear that there are many school boards that are responsive to all parents' needs, even if they end up in a disagreement with the parents and tell the parent that their concerns are are, are, are baseless or are, are not uh, anything serious. They take the parents seriously. And that happens in the vast majority of school districts. But in Peoria, a member of the group, Melissa Ewing, is this group Peoria Drives Change. Now, uh, Melissa Ewing is a substitute teacher at the Vistancia Elementary School. What she decided to do was dox some of the parents um, and, and talk about some of the things and talk about personal information and doing things that she shouldn't be doing. Sharing information like this is a violation of the FERPA, the Family Education Rights and Privacy Act, a federal law. Another in, um, uh, involves uh, a woman named Suzanne Yee, another substitute teacher at Vistancia Elementary. Um, she is an administrator on the Peoria Drives Change website and say all of Heather's kids' teachers have to give her all the lesson plans and resources for her to look at beforehand for her approval. That statement is uh, not a violation. It goes on about how badly they treat them. But I want to get to a couple of other things. There's a guy named Josh Gray, a parent of a child in the district, was uh, was applauded by Peoria Unified teachers for being in stalker mode. So the teachers' union applauded him when he shared Heather Rooks, who was one of the mothers that started this organization. He shared Heather Rooks' home address and phone number with the entire group while discussing whether or not to disrupt a private meeting. So here's what this guy did. 
he made his presence known to one of the other parents, uh, uh, one of the other members of this uh, uh, West Valley Parents Uniting. He said, I heard you had a meeting today at Heather Rook's house. Tell her I said hi. I'm sure I'll see you around. So, you know, you don't think that's intimidating. My, my issue with all of this is that these families are just standing up and saying, we don't like the mask mandates. Or we don't like certain curriculums that are in school. We don't think that the masks are productive. We don't think they're a good idea, and this is what's happening to them. Uh, there is a guy online that goes by uh, Governor Spicy. I think he on Twitter. He goes by the handle Governor Spicy, and I had the tweet pulled up earlier Um and so let's see if I can find it very quickly. I'm just going to read it to you as much as I can. Um, uh, he was talking. Maybe it's been deleted. It may have been deleted. Um, um, so uh, he comes after me. I just, hey, buddy, Governor Spicy came after me. He said, hey, um, whatever, at Broomhead, uh, K- hey, Dusty F, uh, heard you talking smack, but he didn't use the word smack. Um, I'm from the South Side, MFers, get it right. Um, here's the deal with guys like this. His a Spicy friend, Friends fan, uh, Governor Spicy is an internet troll that wants to threaten people anonymously. This is like every bully um, – Just like every bully out there said, you could have at me, but you didn't. But here whole time, why is it hard for you to fathom these broads talking about these women? These broads are getting backlash for being racist AF. I'm a racist. Or Excuse me. He asked if I'm racist, trying to cover for them. Sure sounds like it. Um, Y'all speaking on me saying I'm some effing Peoria admin, whoever the F that is. I didn't say anything about the guy being an admin. I said what he did was threaten these mothers. And that's exactly what he did. The funny thing is, is I could care less what this guy thinks of me. I, Twitter's not even a real place. The guy has less than 700 followers on Twitter, and he's promoting a website, and he's trying to get donations and sell things. And if Twitter want, doesn't throw him offline for threatening people, they should. They throw people out for less than that all the time. But in the end, I don't care what this guy says to me or about me. It doesn't matter. Um, what I do care about is, is this: all these women's rights advocates. Right. All the women's rights advocates out there and fair treatment for women in the way we're supposed to be treating treating women. You should hear the way he talks. To people, to women in, in, in public. So um, it is it is a despicable way to act. And all these parents ever did was question the mask mandates in schools. And this is how they're treated. This is the backlash. And then I come on the air and I disagree with him. Nothing about anything I said was disrespectful. This is the way they behave. And they always do it anonymously. It's always Slappy684 on Twitter. It's always some anonymous troll that you can't find or confront that talks smack on social media. And it sounds like, you know, well, it's, it's no big deal. Well, listen, if you're a mom of a child in a district, if somebody has doxed you by putting your phone number and your home address out there online, of course you're going to be nervous. Why wouldn't they be? This guy said, I will give you the rude awakening you deserve in one of the tweets. And I think he deleted the tweet. Pretty sure he deleted the tweet or it got deleted by Twitter because I can't find it anymore. But when you behave like that because a parent disagrees with you, 
This is the kind of anger, you know, so when you've got people, everyone is talking about what happened on January 6th. We talk about threats online. We talk about people with bad behavior. And when these things happen and nothing comes of it, people are like, oh, it's just someone talking smack. Well, when you have people out there, that kid that shot up the school in Uvalde, Texas, what was his nickname? School shooter. Because of the way he was behaving. So how do you know that this guy isn't dangerous? How do you know he isn't? You know, he's hiding anonymously behind a Twitter handle and he's going after parents that just want things done differently. Whether you agree with them or not, is this the way we tolerate things being handled? And we have to decide that. Are we going to tolerate that kind of behavior as a society? I don't care what he says about me. He can say whatever he wants about me. I'm not worried about him showing up at my house. I'm certainly not worried about him showing up at my house. But I don't blame these women that are. And no one should be treated that way for trying to defend their children, whether you agree with it or not. They call the parents domestic terrorists to challenge at school board meetings. But that guy's not a domestic terrorist. Governor Spicy. It's just laughable. Coming up in a moment, inflation. There is some good news, but it's not all good news. We'll talk about it in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right, everybody out there, a little music lesson for you. No, this wasn't a Van Halen song first. This was a kink song before Van Halen made it famous, but they did a great job with it in Van Halen. Uh, That's uh, You Really Got Me by the Kinks. Great song, great band. Um, We should do that one day, just talk about music and play little bits of songs for the show. It'd be much more relaxing. We've been talking about inflation, so there's a there's a, there's a cause and effect of everything. We're going to talk back about the Inflation Reduction Act. I think that is the biggest news story today. How is it going to affect people? And I will tell you before we have the deeper discussion on it, the biggest concerning thing about it, about this bill for me is the expansion of eighty seven thousand eighty seven thousand. Um, IRS agents and what that is going to do to um, small businesses across this country and everybody else. Uh, That to me concerns me. The expansion of the IRS concerns me. Um, But we'll get into it later. Gas prices are going down. That is really good news. We'll talk about how for how long based on what we've you know been hearing about this Inflation Reduction Act. But they're dropping. And that's good news for people. Demand is down. Supply is starting to climb. We are being able now. We are keeping up with production, which is good. But it's not that case. It's not so much in the diesel fuel industry. We're not seeing a dramatic drop in diesel fuel. It's manufactured different different type of oil, heavier crude that's used. And the refining and manufacturing of diesel, we don't have – we aren't able to do that right now. And – or at least to the needs that we uh, – or keep up with the needs we have. So we're going to see how that goes. I talked earlier about the local food bank seeing a rise in need and a fall in help because I think people have been intentional. And I know – a matter of fact, I know they have. Um, I like the idea that people are more – Mindful when you have old clothes, when you have, and I have a ton of them um, that you just don't wear anymore. I mean, I wear the same six T-shirts every week. I, you, you know, I, and so I, I don't, I don't wear a lot of different things. You can take a lot of that and donate them, and a lot of people do. And I like them being intentional and mindful and giving. Um, 
the hidden reality in the jobs report is that Americans are taking side hustles. That's what's in this jobs report is that it is people taking a second job that's just to make ends meet. And when you are seeing how families are struggling, we are wondering how is this this uh, Inflation Reduction Act, how is that going to help inflation? Because that's what Americans are worried about. I'm not saying that par- uh, people in America aren't concerned about the planet, because we all are. Uh, we all want clean air. We all want clean water. We all want a planet that's sustainable. We want all of those things. And as the world changes and we find other forms of energy, whether it's you know battery-operated cars or it's wind energy or solar becomes something that is mainstream, um, we all want what's best for the planet. But would you think, would you say that the American family right now is more concerned about um, fixing climate change or inflation? Now, can you do both? I guess they're going to try. And that's going to be the thrust of the conversation at the beginning of the next hour is this Inflation Reduction Act. If you ask me, the experts on both sides of the political aisle and those in the middle, the Congressional Budget Office, that's a nonpartisan organization that just assesses the effectiveness of pieces of legislation when it comes to money and it comes to debt, all agree that this is not going to do almost anything to reduce inflation. And so what – What's the point? And that's going to be the thrust of the conversation because the bragging about what it's doing with climate change has been and is the direction of this administration. And then we will see because making a prediction and I, you know, the prediction of they're going to pay a heavy price in the midterms, which is what Lindsey Graham said and others, I don't know that. We will see. But if the American livelihood does not turn around, and I will say to you that an 87,000-person expansion in auditors and workers in the federal government at the IRS is going to scare a lot of businesses. And, you know, I've been audited. I was audited in my small business, and we did everything right. And that's not a credit to me. That's a credit to my ex-wife. Um, but we were so right on the money. By the time we were done, the auditor was cheering for us. I mean, he was like, no, you know what? You missed this deduction. I think they actually had to write me a check for a couple of hundred bucks when we refiled, and it ended up paying my accountant for the day. But my point is no one wants to spend a day being audited. Nobody wants to get that letter from the IRS. It's a terrifying thing to get, and there's going to be a lot more of them because of this piece of legislation. So we're going to go into deeper detail about the what they are calling the Inflation Reduction Act. Do you really think it's going to reduce inflation? We'll ask that question next.